When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami, uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat, uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that, can y'all feel that, jig it out, uh, here I am in the place where I come let go in Miami, the base Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. And the new theme for today is all about the NBA Finals. That's when Patrick takes jam song selections that are supposed to give Harge and I clues, hints, breadcrumbs that lead us to the new theme of the day. Uh, and Harge got it pretty easy. NBA Finals. We know my man Patrick's really excited about it. So all the songs will reference a theme, a storyline, a player in the NBA Finals. And this one's pretty simple. Yeah. William Smith. You're damn right it is. Welcome to Miami. (laughs) Hey. So you say what you want about uh, Will Smith, though, but when he used to make uh, the movies, especially like uh, earlier on in his career, he would make a little jam for the soundtrack on some of his movies, too. Bad Boys. Men in Black. Yep, yep. Uh, Wild Wild West. Wild yeah, Wild exactly. West. He, he was, and that that was a throwback move because that was yeah. that was some people did like way back in like the eighties and stuff like that. Yep. And he would do it. And honestly, we know people consider Will Smith to be kind of corny, but he, he would do a pretty good job. And he oh, makes no. jams. Uh, they, they, you he know, made jams he that made people jams. were rocking. And honestly, I say this all the time: Will Smith, he. He's essentially what The Rock has become to wrestlers. He is that to all rappers. Every rapper from all time now wants to follow the blueprint that he laid out. That when you reinvent yourself and you transform, essentially, because nobody likes old rappers, kind of like old strippers and old running backs. You're geriatric as a rapper once you're like 35. <laughs> yeah. um, you got to transform, right? You got to become something else. You can't be rapping about the same stuff when you're a grandfather. And most of them are transforming into a- actors. And that's mm-hmm. why you get Ice Cube and Ice T and hell, man. Now the rap- you know, basically, a uh, common don't even rap no more. He's just acting. He just acts. Yep. You ever seen that comedy? He might acting. make a couple guest appearances. Yeah, yeah, but he just acting now. I'm like, damn, comedy, he just acting now? So, comments on that. I mean, rapper, a lot of rappers have taken that route now. Um, and I think at, a lot of wrestlers now have kind of taken that route too. And I think The Rock is their goal. He wasn't the first to do it, but he did it the best. No. And that's how Will Smith. Will Smith was the first and the best, though. I, don't, yeah, I was trying to say, he was, he first was and the best. I think he was the first real crossover rapper. There's no doubt. Rapper. There's no question. Slash actor, slash producer. Yeah. I mean, he did a little bit of everything. And his yeah. name is Willard. You are correct. His name is Willard. He's a Willard? He's a Willard. Wow. I did not know he was a Willard. And he is of a the William. second. He's a Willard. And he's the second. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, someone said LL Cool J. Yeah, LL Cool J crossed over. I don't know if LL Cool J crossed over first. Yeah, I'm not sure. But LL Cool J is another one. But I'm I don't know if LL Cool J crossed over first. He he might have at some point because LL Cool J was also old school and he did it too. I'll give LL Cool J props because what was it? Crush Groove. They were in Crush Groove. Yeah, so LL Cool J, it might have yeah. done it first. And I said, I don't know if he did it first, but he did the best in terms of Will yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah. He did the best. So I said, Rock did do it first. And Hulk Hogan was trying to cross over. He remember No Hose Bar, the movie? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, when it when it Ice Cube do it in '91, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, Boys in the Hood. I think that was yeah. his first one. Yeah, for him. So that's early. That's early too. That's like, '91. It, 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 they were pretty early. I guess. I mean, Ice T. When it was New Jack City? Oh, with Ice T. Yeah, Ice T. Probably that, was the one. Yeah. And Ice T. Colors. Colors. Yeah, he was before that. Yeah, yeah Colors. And like I said, I, I said, I'm not. I don't know if he did it the the best. I don't know if he did it the the first, but he did. He definitely did the best. But a lot of rappers have taken. That path. I like uh, it. Shout out to Willard. Didn't know that till today. Willard. Willard. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about the NBA Finals, gentlemen. We'll get to the breaking news. Sorry for those who haven't heard. Uh, breaking news. The SEC has settled on a scheduling format for the time being. And for the time being, they have decided you know, that they are going to uh, go with the eight-game format right now. Eight-game mm-hmm. eight format there. Uh, so we'll get into that and in Rod's Round the Day. I'll just table what I have for Rod's Round the Day for later, and we'll dive deep into the scheduling format of the SEC and give you all the details of them scheduling for the 2024 season when Texas will join the SEC on an eight-game format instead of the nine-game format. We'll break that all down for you. All right, let's get into uh, the NBA Finals discussion here, uh, gentlemen, start breaking this down. So I know uh, both of you seem to be really confident on uh, the Denver Nuggets' uh, ability to not only win this series but dominate this series. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are picking Denver in a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. I've heard both, and I think I've heard both from you guys too. I'll throw this little stat out there just to kind of show you what a uh, kind of David and Goliath matchup this is between the Miami Heat and eight seed and the D Denver Nuggets, uh, which was the best team in the Western Conference. So if you go look at the – and I got these numbers from DraftKings. So uh, you can take from DraftKings. Uh, the Heat at one point could have changed now, but this was yesterday. They were plus 320 to win the NBA Finals. That's, that's, those were their odds uh, per DraftKings. If they won based on those odds, they beat Denver in the NBA Finals. It will be the second biggest NBA Finals upset since 1969. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what the biggest is? You guys probably remember it. Uh, 2004, the L.A. Lakers. Uh, the Pistons were at plus 500 uh, and ended up beating the Lakers. There we go. And I, was, that, I remember that one. That was, that was mind-blowing. I was like, how the hell? Because <laughs> Detroit, they were kind of a nondescript. They didn't have any true stars. They had Chauncey Billups. Chauncey and, and Rip, Rip Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were a good team. Yeah, because they, they played the Spurs in the finals too. Yeah, they were a good team. They were supposed to beat the Lakers, though. Not no, the no, Lakers no. team, right? That was no. Like- Lakers close to them. yeah. That was they had the Wallaceisms in the front with Rasheed yeah. and Ben. No, they were tough, but everyone's like Hard Ben knows. Wallace can't guard them because he's too short. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Bam Adebayo's got hope. But ben, it's again, <laughs> Bam ain't going to be guarding Jokic. <laughs> he will sometimes. He will sometimes. He will but sometimes. you need him to roam, or else everyone Jamal Murray's going to eat you up, and and Michael Porter Jr. Can get inside and. It, the problem is there is no good way to guard Jokic. Like no. that's how yeah. good he is. That basically, no, man, you put in Udonis Haslam and you start a fight. Pretty uh, yeah, but you got to try you to do yeah. that early. Well, no, because listen, AD we AD was defensively was playing at a really high level when Jokic and him faced off, and he actually had some experience versus Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. So the assumption was, man, uh, you know, he'll be able to at least have some success defensively because he's got. Such a you know such a long wingspan. He's such an athletic freak. Uh, Jokic had his way with Anthony yep. Davis. Yes, he did. And the and and you go look at it. I it's crazy because Miami doesn't play Denver much. They only play them like twice a year because they're in different conferences, of course. But man, Miami's been dominated by Denver. Yeah, 
Denver is 11-3 versus Miami in the last seven seasons, 9-1 versus Miami uh, since 2018-19 season, and 6-0 and versus Miami in the last three years. Yeah. And a little bit of— They have not won there. <laughs> no, they just—no, they they've dominated—they really have. They, they've dominated uh, Miami. And the little bit of sample size that I—and I got this from, um, from NBA.com— you go look at the sample size of Bam Adebayo versus Nikola Jokic, just them going at it um, last three years. So you got those that 6-0 and uh, record that I just mentioned, Denver versus Miami the last three years. Um, and you take all the minutes. So 52, they have 44 minutes total of them facing off against each other. We're talking about Jokic and Bam, him as the primary defender on Jokic. And Jokic has, in those 44 minutes, he has 52 points and 25 assists, <laughs> and he's shooting damn near 58% mm, mm, mm. against Bam as the primary defender. So, it, and Bam's an elite defender. That's why this goes back to <laughs> what Patrick said. He is not going to be on him. <laughs> Bam, Bam's dead an, or not. Bam's an, Bam's an elite defender. We're not talking about Bam. Oh, man, he struggles versus yeah. Bam. No, Bam's elite as a defender, and those are Bam's. Those are Jokic's numbers versus Bam. He has shot 58% from the field versus Bam. Going in to destroy years. him. It's, yeah. like I said, I, and I know they, if they want to play zone, the zone's not going to work versus Jokic. No. No, because you got to put a body on him. Because, again, he just can't get too close to the basket or that percentage is through the roof when he gets that close to the basket. Now, what helps is if you if Kevin Love, you know, musters up some of that age and is able to go inside and bump with him a little bit and you're able to have Kevin Love, you know, basically put a body and then Bam Adebayo is able to help off of Kevin Love so that when Jokic is turning around and does the move, he's then got to deal with a shot blocking Bam. Mm-hmm. Now, he can find the other guy and you're going to have to deal with that as well. But that's something you can try a little bit more. But that that's where it goes. It goes, is it Kevin Love that comes in and is a guy that can at least take some minutes guarding Jokic? Yeah, you're going to, you're going to have to do that because, um, I mean, like I said, you have to throw the kitchen sink at the guy. Right. And, and really just kind of hope he's off his game. And I went uh, researched because we know that the Miami Heat played more zone than any other team, arguably, in NBA history <laughs> uh, this past season. They yes. played a ton of it. And they've played a ton of it in the NBA playoffs, uh, 178 more zone defense possessions than any other team, uh, second most for any team in the playoffs in the last 15 years. Uh, if you go look at the Denver Nuggets versus zone Man, they're, how about this? They're, they have a 121 offensive rating in the regular season versus zone defense. The best offensive rating in the NBA was 119. So versus zone defense, they have a better offensive rating than the best offensive rating in the NBA, which was the Sacramento Kings. So I don't know if zone's going to work that well against them. I mean, it will, it will at times. You discombobulate well, yeah, them yeah. and you throw it out tactically and strategically. But to throw it out like you did as a blanket defense almost versus Boston, they, they are much, they're a higher IQ basketball team than Boston. Yeah, and they shoot better. They're and better. They, they, shoot. they shoot better. They know how to attack the zone. They know how to make a guy be in the middle to get you out of that zone. And you have guys like a Jamal Murray. And, you know, one name that we never really talk about on this show but deserves a little bit more credit is Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. is long. He's like KD long. And he has good game. But 
he's so inconsistent at times. Yeah. That is why people don't put him in there. Don't forget, at one point, people thought he was going to be the number one overall draft pick, and the reason why he ended up not being it was because of the fact that he always had back injuries. Mm -hmm. He had a big problem. So we'll see how this goes down, but Michael Porter Jr. is going to be somebody that you would definitely need to keep your eye on along with the Joker and uh, Jamal Murray. No, and we're going to have to look at Aaron Gordon playing offense of if he's able to – because that's the guy. If you're able to find someone else to put a body on Jokic and then Bam basically can help off of off of Gordon and Gordon's going to sit in the corner and take those threes, if he's not hitting those threes, it really messes up trying to trying to get that help defender to step back out and get a little bit further out closer to him. So they're going to test him early, I'm sure. Miami is and yeah. go, "Man, are we able to just find one guy that we want to be taking the shot because we know we don't want Jamal Murray to take the shot. Michael Porter Jr. to say he's been playing really well. Yep. Of course, you don't want Jokic to have the ball in his hands at all. Please. Yeah, because yeah. he's a point guard. Get it out. And then, <laughs> then you go, well, Caldwell Pope, if we leave him open, we can get him hot. And if he gets hot, he goes. So Aaron Gordon's the guy that you want to have to take the shot. But if he starts hitting, yeah, oof. But that's where I think you have to kind of lean off of him. And they got to leave Minx. He's a really good defender, but I don't, offensively, can he step up in this series? That's a great point. And speaking of him, while they need, why they need him so much, uh, he was sitting down with uh, Malika Andrews, a really good interview, and talked to, talking with Aaron Gordon about how much of a linchpin he is defensively for them. And he's going to be matched up against Jim A. Playoff Jim a. a lot of times. Here is uh, Aaron Gordon with Malika Andrews. You are, Aaron, the defensive anchor of this Denver Nuggets team. And in this, this, this postseason, right, we've seen you guard LeBron James. You've seen you take on the defensive si- assignments of Carl Anthony Towns, of Kevin Durant. And now we have Jimmy Butler. What is it about you in each one of these assignments that makes it so you're the go-to guy? Um, I guess it's just defensive versatility. Mm-hmm. You know, I can guard one through five. I can slide my feet. Uh, I can kind of, like, bang with the bigger bigger um, forwards. Um and then just kind of studying the game, you know, understanding what they're trying to get to, their tendencies. Um, you know, out of everybody that I've guarded, uh, that we've guarded in the playoffs, Jimmy could arguably be the most complete player mm. in terms of just the entire totality of the game. You know what I mean? In transition and cuts and offensive rebound, like the in-between game, offensively and then defensively as well. So. You know, it's a, it's a challenging matchup, but I'm excited for it. I love it. Do you go to Michael Malone and say, pick me. I want this. I want the other team's best guy. No, I think it's kind of just like an unspoken, but I would yeah. if I had to, for sure. You know, um, like when other teams, like we got great defenders on this team. We got KCP. We got Bruce, Bruce Brown. Um, a couple other guys. Jeff Green can, can really guard. And we got guys that can play good defense. But when somebody gets going and somebody's water is going, I take it on, on myself to try and cut that person's water off. Uh, I'll just say uh, in the research that I have past three years, Jimmy Butler versus Aaron Gordon, very small sample size, of course, because they don't face each other very often right. in different conferences. Lower uh, points per 100 plays uh, versus Aaron Gordon. If you're talking about Jimmy Butler offensively versus Aaron Gordon defensively, uh, the points per 100 plays drops significantly, and so does effective field goal percentage drops significantly. So Aaron Gordon 
just in a little small sample size, he's yep. been pretty effective uh, versus Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler, as he pointed out, and I love that compliment, though. He's faced LeBron, yep. not an aging LeBron, all right, LeBron, and, my, and injured LeBron, too, we learned later on, right? LeBron was dealing with an injury, too. Um, he's faced some really elite offensive players in these playoffs, and he's saying, now, Jimmy presents you with as many problems as a, for a defender as any player in the NBA right now. Just, oh, no doubt about it. Because he's so versatile, as, as you were saying, he can play the three. He can score from the outside, hit you at three. He can get inside the lane and get to the bucket. He can hit you with the mid mid range. He gets rebounds. He can assist. He gets steals. I believe I saw a stat where he's the only the fifth person in NBA history to average. Uh, 25 points and three steals in games. He's got 10 more steals than any other player in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. And like, he, he does le- so much. Yeah, and he leads the playoff in deflection. So, yeah, yeah, he does way more than just score. Right. Yeah, no doubt. He's yeah. a no. total player in the game. But this is where it comes to is we just had a texter ask, if Tyler Hero comes back in game three, does that really help? And you go, it does some. Well, they said, it, I just saw today, it's game two, and it's going to be probably Sunday. He's coming okay, back so Sunday. They need game to two. rush him back. But, yeah. but this is the thing is the reality of how Miami has to play this Denver team is the same way the Lakers had to play them, which is you have to hold them to roughly around under 105. Like mm-hmm. 105 to 110 is kind of where the max allow you can allow Denver to score. And that's when it goes, yeah, you can try and outscore them, but if you try and run up and down and score with the best offensive team, you're normally going to come out on the bottom end. And you're going to come out on the losing end, and it's going to be 135 to 128. Mm -hmm. And, man, you put up 128 and you still lost. So Tyler Harrow helps because he helps you hit those big threes to keep you in the game. But really, defensively, what you can do to slow down Jamal Murray, slow down Jokic, make the rest of these supporting cast continue to put up bigger numbers – and rely on the weaker links to 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 push their offense, and it gets them down to 105, and then you can put up 110 and win the game. That's kind of where you need to be at. And so Tyler Harrell helps because it, it's not going to hurt you, but at the same part, it doesn't matter. You're not going to outscore this Denver team to win the series. You may do it in the game. You're not going to do it to win the series because you're playing the best offense in the league. Uh, and yep. to that point about the best offense, I'll give you a stat. Mind-blowing. If you're just looking at points – Per 100 uh, possessions in the regular season, the Nuggets were at 116.8. First round, they went to 117.2. Second round, 120.2. And then the conference finals, they were at 122.3. They've they've gotten better as an offense each round of the playoffs. That's crazy. And it's because Jamal Murray has come out of nowhere. And he's playing like an all-NBA player. And I remember that stat we gave uh, that I gave you guys uh, earlier this year about and it's, it 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 really is kind of a it's a weird stat because it's more about the how injured some of the stars have been for Denver, but that Jokic has not played with a player who is all NBA, um, all star or all defense. Like none of his teammates have have gotten those accolades. He's the mm-hmm. only he's the only MVP that's never had a teammate selected to all star, all NBA, all defense. Yeah. But that's because Jamal Murray's been hurt. Yep, he hadn't been that. He hadn't <laughs> been able to play a whole season. He'd, played, yeah. he'd been two All NBA players playing together. Yep. and that is that's kind of the the weird distinction is that they are a different team right now because they do have two true superstars, not just Jokic. They have Murray. Too. And it's yeah. worth noting. I know the Lakers aren't the best team in the league. We can't say that, but they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. For them to up it against a really good defensive team in the Lakers is impressive.
And uh, to and this is my I think there there's one hope for Miami to stay in this series. Let me hear it. It's a three point shot, man. Oh yeah. It, it it and they have been. I'll give you these stats real quick before we get into this Jokic conversation. So the 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 Miami Heat are shooting thirty nine percent from three point range in the playoffs, but against Boston, that number was at over forty three percent as a team from three point range. Versus the Bucks, it was at forty five percent from three point range. They shot thirty four point four percent from three point range in the regular season, good for twenty seventh in the NBA. And now they're shooting thirty nine percent. That is the biggest jump from regular season to playoffs in three point shooting in NBA history. <laughs> Miami hit 58% of their wide-open threes in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the best in the NBA in a playoff series in the last 10 years. Eight of their 10 players in rotation were hitting 35% or better from three-point range in the playoffs. These numbers are silly. I mean, they really, I don't even, and I don't think they were, they were sustainable or not. Remember in, that, in that, that series versus Boston in the Conference Finals, I remember this stat because I wrote it down because it was so crazy. Miami took uh, like 92 threes. If you go look at that, those first three games, they took 92 threes and hit 47.8% of them. Uh, only 13 teams had ever converted over 50% of their threes on at least 20 attempts in a conference finals game, and they did it twice. <laughs> See, and that's the other part of it too. They I, did it twice. I think that those numbers are are great, and they're gonna they're, they tell the story for them. That's what I was just but about if it to is, say. That, that's how they stay in the game. I want to see what their legs look like being in Denver. That's gonna be the other part for me. You know, we've talked about it. We haven't really leaned on the altitude and really dove into some of the numbers like some other people will. But the thing about it is when you look at that and you start looking at yourself and how you are are reacting to it, you said it earlier. You got there two days early. You didn't get there a week and a half early where you could be there and get acclimated. You're still trying to figure out how you're going to be able to move around from there. But here's the other thing. Your legs get heavy in those situations. You play big minutes, it's going to hurt you. You are not going to be able to sustain that. I don't believe we'll see a shooting performance like that. If we do, I apologize to you. But I know that it's going to be very difficult for them to keep up the pace, too. Because we know Miami plays at a very – they play intense defense as well. So we're going to see how they adjust to how Denver plays their defense because Denver's defense is pretty doggone good too. Yeah, and that's – I mean, because, yeah, he just said in Eric Gord with Bruce Brown and KCP can also guard out on that perimeter yeah. and help you out. But I, I agree with you. Close it's, out. Close it's, not, out. And it's not just hitting the threes. It's guarding the threes. Yep. That if you were able to slow down Denver, who's been shooting at a huge pace, mm, and slow down their guys at three-pointers as well – then all of a sudden that sways even more. So even if you're only shooting 42%, which is a really good percentage, but you're not shooting 50, you're shooting 42, but you hold them to 25, 26%, then now that's a bigger swing. Those percentages just need to have difference. Because if you shoot 50 and they shoot 50, you know, you can shoot all day and it's just, oh, we're in the game and you beat them everywhere else. You need to be able to have that swing on both sides. That's a that's a great point. I agree. Um, all right, so we're up against it. So when we come back, um, I want to get into a, con- a conversation about Nikola Jokic, too. We'll listen to some sound from Big Shot Bob Robert Ory, um, and it'll get us into a conversation about the all-time greatest big men, the GOATs among the big men in NBA history. But also we'll address the breaking news. Uh, the SEC has settled on a schedule, an eight-game schedule format for the 2024 season when Texas and Oklahoma will go to the SEC. We'll discuss 
discuss that and give you details about it. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day here on Ball Don't Lie, 1049 The Horn. All right, now, first, I want to finish up our conversation about the NBA Finals. So I've got a Nikola Jokic uh, take that we'll get into, and then we'll dive into the SEC eight-game schedule format. If we can't finish it all, then next segment, uh, we'll just uh, continue uh, this uh, conversation about the SEC schedule if we don't get to it here, because this Nikola Jokic uh, conversation may be a little lengthy. So, I, I was listening to a Showtime basketball podcast, and on the podcast there is uh, there was Robert Ory, Big Shot Bob, played for Rockets, played for the Spurs, played for the Lakers. He got into a conversation discussing the all-time greatest big men he played with, and I'll let Robert Ory tell you the rest, but it got me to thinking, and I'll tell you what it got me to thinking about after the audio. Here's Robert Ory. All the other teams I played for, one common denominator was great big men. Uh-huh. You know, think about Shaq, Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. and if you said right now, name the top five big men. I play with three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's so? Who's 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 who? You play with three of them. Well, Dream talk number one shit. by yeah, far. Okay. We, are, we don't like to talk. Nobody wants to talk about. I think you have these guys who are quiet. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Dream. You know, he's a really quiet guy. You can't get him to do much to say much. So we kind of kind of veer away from him. Mm. We don't talk about him. But to me, if you look at what he put together, you know, defensive player of the year, MVP in one season, mm-hmm. um, all-time leading shot blocker, you know, those things that you look at his his history and what he's done for the game and where he how he started the game. You know, this dude didn't play basketball growing up. Mm-hmm. Went to U of H Imagine where yeah. they went. You think about it, we all went to college where they're going to teach you. U of H, they just rolled a ball out there and yeah. he went to work. And mm-hmm. so I think what his body of work was just incredible and he's just – a good dude, too, man. That's what you have to think about, a good dude. And people don't understand. You play with all of them, so your opinion is valid. You've been on the court with <laughs> all one of them. With yeah, them. one with all yeah, of them. So, them yeah, too. you got to yeah. respect that. All right, I did not do, do this to throw it into Patrick's face. You yeah, know. Yeah. Was that, was that, was that uh, Steven Jackson? Jackson? Yes, it that's was That's who Jackson. I thought it was. Yeah, it was with that All About Smoke. Or oh, okay. Okay, okay, that's yeah, who I thought it was. The back part of it was okay. Steven Jackson, who also, you know, did you say he, he's got some bad – so he said Bad now, I saw recently he's, that he has now said that he has squashed it. Oh, he's not a Spurs he, hater anymore? So no, he yeah, was he definitely at the top of the list of the Spurs haters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he hated, he hated Pop. He, he hated thought Pop. Pop. He thought Pop should have given him a max D, or not, a big contract okay. because he he was thought he was a very big part, which he was a big part. He thought he was bigger than Tony Amanu. No. He okay. thought he was a better player than no. Tony Amanu. Okay. He thought he should have been the number two guy on that team. All right, Steven. That's what that's what it was, and so he didn't like Pop's coaching style. He didn't he like any of that. Okay. He's a Steven now. I know. Come on. I mean, I, I, he was no. a good player, but you, uh, you're yeah. not. You're no, not he, also he, wanted, he also didn't want to be coached. 
Yeah, yeah well, yeah. We and and that's not what's going to work on the Spurs. Yeah, Spurs, everybody get coached. Yeah. yeah. Tim Duncan I, yeah, got coached on the Spurs. I think, I think it, so there was a lot of how he was coached when he was there, and yeah. then the fact that when they let him go, they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to pay that. He's like, what? Like, I helped you win a ring, <laughs> yeah. and y'all just going to let me go? And they're like, yeah, that's uh, what we do here. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, what the Spurs do, man. They keep it moving. But uh, I just wanted to bring up, you know, obviously, we, we can get into the big man go discussion. Robert Ory's opinion is Robert Ory's opinion, um, but I do think the dream is uh, in that conversation, Definitely. no doubt. Uh, but it got me thinking because. You know, people are having the big the, the the big man conversation now because of Nikola Jokic. He's such an extraordinary talent uh, for his size and playing uh, playing center for the Nuggets. People call him kind of a point center, brand new term coming out because of Nikola Jokic. But when people start having the conversation like they just did on this podcast about all time great big men, Nikola Jokic's name in that conversation has not really penetrated just yet. Um, and I think it's about that time. Now, it may just be we're waiting on him to win a title, and then well, the narrative will shift. But I'll give you some numbers, gentlemen, to, to, to honestly display or at least argue the point that Nikola Jokic probably should already be in some of these conversations. Now, we know he's a back-to-back MVP winner, uh, which already puts him in rarefied air. But how about when it counts, right? The playoffs is what it's all about because it's all about winning championships and win. If he wins the championship this year, um, obviously these numbers may start to uh, come to the forefront. But it, how about this? If you look at players with at least 2,000 career playoff minutes, all right, players with at least 2,000 career playoff minutes, Jokic ranks 13th among that group in both assists per game and rebounds per game. Seven mm-hmm. assists per game and 12 rebounds per game. No other player is even in the top 30 in both of those stats. No other player. No other player. Larry Bird is the closest. He's 22nd in assists and 32nd in points. And if you're saying, uh, well, it's all about scoring points, well, Jokic is 6th in points per game among that group for a good measure because he's scoring 27 points per game. Bill Simmons has what he likes to call his 42 club. It's a pretty simple formula. The 42 club is basically players take their assists, rebounds, and points, and you add them all up. And if they, if that, if that total comes to more than forty-two, then you're talking about an all-time elite player, a great mm-hmm. player. Uh, Jokic in his forty-two, his forty-two club. Jokic is second in playoff sums from his forty-two club, just adding together points, assists, and rebounds. Um, Wilt Chamberlain is first. Will Chambers at 51 and a half. Jokic is at 46 and a half. Uh, Bill Russell and MJ, <laughs> respectively, are third and fourth. They're at 45.7. MJ's at 45.6. And LeBron's at 44.7. Mm. That's your top five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elite, rarefied error, right? I'll give you some more. Yeah, it ain't over. Among players with at least 1,000 career playoff shot attempts, Jokic ranks second. In effective field goal percentage with 57%. Uh, Dwight Howard's ahead of him. Uh, If you look at true shooting percentage, he is is at 61% true shooting percentage. That is only behind uh, Kevin McHale and Kawhi Leonard. So he's third in true shooting percentage. If you look at just two-point percentage, he's actually fifth in two-point percentage. And he is second in three-point percentage. Second. In three-point percentage. Second. 
<laughs> he is a career 41% three-point shooter in the playoffs. And think about how them ugly shots that he's taken, <laughs> Clay, and he's knocked them down. Clay Thompson, Ray Allen, Steph Curry are about one percentage point behind him. Mm. <laughs> he's, it's, it's freakish. So let's go to clutch. How about a clutch, right? Clutch gene, clutch gene. In clutch situations, as a clutch shooter, and we're talking about the score within three points in the last three minutes of a playoff game. He is 15 of 32. That would be 47%. That would be tied for fourth all-time among the 45 players who have at least 30 such attempts in a playoff game since 1996. So pretty damn clutch. How about overall plus-minus, box plus-minus? All right, career playoff, box plus-minus, another overall kind of uh, you know uh, expansive stat. Michael Jordan is at 8.8. Nikola Jokic at 8.1. That's one and two. LeBron James is third, 7.5. And Steph Curry is fourth at 6.4. Ahead of KD and Magic Johnson. Player efficiency rating, PER, which is the all-encompassing measurement of a player's overall value. Career playoff leaders in player efficiency rating, Michael Jordan is second behind Nikola Jokic at 28.9. Michael Jordan is at 28.6. <laughs> LeBron's at 27.9 third, though. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 well, no matter what, what metric you're looking at, and by the way, he's one of the freakiest, freakier players. Most players' PER actually drops from the regular season to the postseason because you're playing against better overall talent and it's a higher competition level, period. Um, he's one of those freaks that actually has a higher player efficiency rating in the playoffs than he does in a regular season. Uh, Luca's like this too. Luca Giannis is one of these guys. These are freaks where it's like they actually take their game to a higher level in the playoffs, and there are a few all-time greats who do it, and Jokic is also one of those freaks too. So no matter which way you look, look at it, he is a special kind of freak. Yeah, and um, we yeah he's gonna win a championship this year. I'm pretty sure of it. Even though I think I'm rooting for Jamie and I, just because to try to keep balance on the show, both of you guys are picking Denver in a sweep. I guess I gotta be a, a yeah, little more yeah. on the side of the Heat. But there is no doubt, man. Jokic, it's about time for him to get his flowers. And we are we've been we are disrespecting that man because we're not talking enough about his greatness. And we will once he wins a title. Well, and that's the other part of it too. When you start looking at some of these names. A name that I would expect to be in there a lot more would be uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's not even in there as the not big man. Not as, as a guy who won a championship, won multiple MVPs. He's another guy he's, that I think gets underlooked uh, as well. But what Joker's been able to do, the unorthodox style, the silence that in which he plays with, the the unselfishness I think is something that everybody's been looking at. But then you bring out those numbers and those stats. It's kind of like this dude is balling, balling, like yeah. ball, out, averaging a triple on, double during the playoffs. Talking about goat stuff. Yes, during no, and, the season. And that's the thing is, I, I right now he is on the path to doing it. However, he's halfway on the path because he's got the accolades. Got there. The thing is, can you keep it up for a decade? Can you put up these numbers for ten years? Can you play into the second, your second decade of a career? Can you play into your 30s at this level of play? And, and how many rings can you win? Can you, exactly, be a, can you be a champion? Yeah. So how many wins do you have? What's your win percentage overall? Yeah. Because there's guys like Steve Nash, two-time MVP, mm-hmm. at his peak, one of the best players in NBA history. But 
It took him a while to get there, and then it tapered off pretty quickly when the injury set in. So there's really like a five, six-year span where Steve Nash is in the conversation of one of the best guards in, in NBA history. But overall, you go, well, look at these – like there's other guys who have had 15-year careers of greatness. Yep. So he can't be in that same group because he just didn't have that and he didn't have the wins. Carl Malone is up on the all-time scoring list. He's all-time great in a lot of ways, never won a ring, so he's not in these conversations. All-time creep, too, but you're right. All-time yeah, yeah, all yep. dirtbag. All-time dirtbag. No, you're right. That's a good point. About the, I love your Steve Nash. But that's what I'm saying. Is there's guys like that who yeah. had really big peaks, like Steve Nash, who just they fade, fade away. And with Jokic, you never know a body type like Jokic. All right, is he going to continue to work harder to keep the weight off because it's going to get more and more painful? We saw with Tim Duncan that he worked harder during the offseason later in his career because he was like, I'm in a lot of pain. And mm-hmm. the more I can do, keep weight off and keep stuff like that, then I can continue to play at the level I want to play at. I think Jokic has every bit of that in him. He's he, already lost some weight. Yeah. So the question is, can he continue that and stay healthy and stay on the court? And if he does that, then okay, well now he's he's clearly in that conversation. Because you look at Akeem, who a lot of people put third out of those three guys, and he was a 12-time All-Star. He he, and he came in the league and was rocking from day one. He had some longevity. And so, and then his stats dropped off in those last two or three years where he was hurt, and then he went to Toronto. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, longevity's hard for a big man. And that's and your stats will drop man. off a little bit. Your average will drop off because those last couple of years you're trying to do it, but you're just not the same player anymore. So there's that end of it where it'll taper off. But with the championships and the longevity, your your case is sealed. No, I agree with you on that. I love that Steve Nash point you brought up. That that's probably. If if you're a Jokic, that's what you don't want to be. You want yeah. you, you like the accolades, individual, but you like it to, the team to be able to maximize your potential in that window and win a title or two. Like that's why the Bucks and Giannis, at least they were. If if, if Giannis does not become that guy, yes. at least hey, they, they maximized his window though and got a title out of it. Yeah, never and did that's that what with they're Nash. Hoping for. No, they and that's, never did. And, that and, and, Giannis, with Nash. and Giannis and Jokic and Nash all the same thing where it took mm-hmm. them a few years to get going because they all weren't. The top picks of sports, of course, Jokic's number uh, second over, second round pick. Yep. But none of those guys were picked out of college to be the guy. So it takes them a little while to find their footing, find the NBA. And so they don't have that thing that Tim did and Akeem did and Shaq did, which was year one, they're an all star. Like year one, they are stars in the league. Yeah. And those guys didn't have that. So they've got a different part of that longevity where their clock started later, later than everybody else's clock started. And they still have to kind of get those same accolades. No, you ain't no kind of. You got to. I mean, but no, Jokic is only twenty eight years old. Yeah. So to say, can he go to thirty five as a big man? If he continues to wait, that's not unbelievable. That he could still play at a high level to thirty three, thirty four, thirty five. And the Nuggets built this in a way that is sus- some, somewhat sustainable. Because yeah. they didn't build yeah. it in a in the in the kind of new age way of acquiring a lot of star talent via free agency, building a superstar team. It was more an organic build, which gives them more sustainability over time. So they the next four years are going to be crucial for for Jokic and his legacy. Because yeah. I think that's when they're going to win. They're going to win two uh, multiple titles. It's going to be in the next four years. It's yeah, got to start the t- this year. And the <laughs> other part of it is. He's got to have a healthy Jamal Murray with him, Amen or that. or whoever else or they put in, yeah. yeah. Because it may there may be a part in four guy. years, three yeah. four years. Well, he goes somewhere else, but they got to get another guy. Yeah, yeah. to feel they that have role. to have a guy to be that guy, the the Batman and Robin that you've been talking about, the Batman versus Superman type of deal. Don't pull on the cape. 
well, this is an opportunity where you're going to have to find a guy if you're not going to give that max contract or the big numbers to Jamal Murray, even though I don't think you really have to, do you? Because he hadn't made a first-team All-Pro. He hadn't so made he's a, not, it's not going to no. be – he'll still get he'll paid, still get but he won't be yeah, – he, he won't, won't be, get the max. Yeah, he ain't yeah. making yeah. Dame Lillard Super money. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, all right, uh, we come back. We'll talk about the SEC and the epic fail of the eight-game format. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one on the horn. Welcome Jamal. back to the Ball Don't Lie. It's the Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is the uh, new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick takes uh, certain songs, uh, and based on those selections, uh, Harge and I are supposed to gather clues and hints, breadcrumbs, that lead us to the new theme of the day, and Harge got it pretty easy this time. It's all about the NBA Finals. Every song is yep. referencing or talking about a storyline, a theme, a player, in these NBA Finals, what did I hear? I heard what did I hear. Earlier? I mean, this song's I technically about the, the Denver Nuggets. This song's called Jamal to the Joker. I, was, I, I thought he heard. I said Jamal, so it's actually about the Denver Nuggets. Yes, this came out wow. I think like a month or two ago. Okay, but when I was looking for songs today, I was like, oh, this has got a good groove to it. That is so. Even before this season, they made a song about Denver Nuggets. No, no, no. They made this song like a month ago. Oh, they so just like, so okay. going into the playoffs. How about I say they really were calling their shot? They knew they were going to be pretty damn good. They made a song. Okay, that makes sense then. Okay, they're feeling really good about the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, because uh, this is. I mean, Denver Nuggets have this is their first time going to the NBA Finals. Yes, right? ever, ever. So, yeah, first time for them, uh, and they're really excited about it. Uh, Texas, really excited, and so is Oklahoma about heading to the SEC, but not really excited about this scheduling format, gentlemen. We'll continue this conversation, of course, going into the 6 o'clock when we go behind the burnt orange curtain, talk about Dylan Mitchell returning. Uh, We'll hear from CDC on Paul Feinbaum, talk Texas baseball, previewing their matchup versus Louisiana tomorrow. But this is the breaking news, gentlemen. Uh, 2024 scheduling format for SEC football has been settled. It will be an eight-league game schedule, uh, and uh, that will be a six, 16 teams, but only no divisions, only eight-league games. Those are the specifics. But you said, Harge, that this is, this is a temporary arrangement until they can come up with a more permanent solution or yeah. option. 2026 is when they think it will be changed again because of the simple fact of the playoffs. College football playoffs, playoffs will be in effect as well. So you sit here and you look at that and you go, all right, what's next? What can they do? And I think this entire setup is a failure. I don't know why they wouldn't do it already. Why don't you put this in place already where you can already set up the rivalries, you can have everything moving forward. Are they looking for more expansion? Is there going to be something else that's going to be on the horizon again, probably? There's been talk of that from the, so, big, from the big Ten side. Right. So the, there may you know. be something else that is in there. But in looking at the SEC, how many more teams can you add up well, in there? Remember the ACC, there's some talk that some of those members are unhappy, but they would like an uneven revenue sharing because they think schools like Florida State and Clemson have been carrying that conference. Very much um, so. We know the Pac-12 is imploding as we speak. That's a good point. Like, I, <laughs> whatever exploding noise you yeah. want to make. Uh, but honestly, I'm with you. I, I don't see any point uh, in terms of the actual uh, product upgrade. Like this is not helping upgrade the product. The whole point of Texas, Oklahoma moving to the SEC was the big, the biggest, baddest, uh, most uh, impressive yep. college football conference in the history of college football. 
and they're all going to play each other, and that was going to settle all of the, the talk about where the best college football is played and who are the best college football teams. I agree. And now this move, I'm with you, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of improving the product, which means it's about money. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go with the Ross Dellinger conspiracy theory that he said an extra game. And for those who don't know about the eight-game model, basically means 1-7, which means you'll play one opponent annually as your rival, and you will rotate seven other opponents. The 3-6 model, which is obviously you can hear Harge and I and Patrick prefer, is the model of three annual opponents you play every year, which are your rivals. Yep. Um, and then you would rotate six other opponents within the SEC every year. Um, they decided to go for now with the eight-game format. And like I said, Ross Dellinger, he hypothesizes that that extra game is worth $5 million a year per school. And if that's the case, why give the broadcast network an extra game worth that much since it's an SEC game without having them compensate the SEC for that game? So maybe the temporary solution we're talking about here isn't permanent until they can negotiate extra money correct for that extra game and then like you said 2026 they go hey we're gonna we our contract has been upgraded and now we're gonna go to a nine game schedule yeah and and the other part about it is too nine game format and and there's 16 teams in this conference 16 teams in this conference are they thinking it's gonna be eight and that's the balance of it and that's why they oh there's eight on this side eight on this side let's go out there but there's no sides there's, there's no, no divisions none. there's no divisions no. so why are we doing this in this process if you want to change it again later on then do it that way but yeah, give us the nine now but and I, see what yeah. it looks like that's a good point why why not if you're gonna if you're going with temporary solutions yes why not give us the nine now and then you can go back to the eight then. and you can flip it back if you need to but you know the answer because it's about money. No, no, it's about money. It's about about Nick Saban, who don't want to play hard teams. He wants more gimme games. That's just that's what they've wanted for the past ten years. They're getting two teams into the college football playoffs with four teams consistently playing two or three patsy games a year. Why would you change a formula that works if it gets you into the games you want? And if Nick Saban wants it and Kirby Smart wants it, then they can convince everybody else. Because they just walk in there and go, well, do you want to you hurt the SEC? You want to hurt the brand? Because if, if we're not in the playoffs with two teams, we're not the big brand. If you want the Big Ten to take us over because they're playing a lighter schedule, no, nah, we got to stay strong and just play patsies and play yeah. easy teams every – that's all – I mean, that's a lot of it. I think money is part of it, and it helps sell it that you can go to the smaller teams and go, hey, man, uh, you, you do this, and then uh, and, uh, it'll, it'll get you more money later. So we're playing the long game. And then you go to Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and you go, hey, do you want an easier road to the, the championship game? They go, yes, of course yeah. I do. I want more wins every year because I make more money if we the more games we win. And the ADs know that's true and the coaches know that's true. And what they'll say is uh, and, and, and when people argue, well, you put cupcakes on your schedule um, instead of playing yes. a true SEC schedule yes. where you're playing the toughest opponents in the country. And they'll say, well, the SEC schedule is the toughest in yeah. the country. So it doesn't that's matter what they've been saying if for we 10 have years. an extra cupcake. Yeah, we deserve an extra cupcake game. Yeah, that's what they've been saying <laughs> for 10 years. We just used to make fun of it when it wasn't us. And now we're going in there. We're like, oh, you're making us look bad. Uh, Yeah, well, I do think it'll happen at one point. But, yeah, it's now for other reasons. There's a different motive. I I think it'll happen when the college ball playoffs inevitably make the regular season a little bit less impactful. And they'll have to add in a little bit more to to spice up some of this. Because when it goes to 16 games and they're getting five teams in, and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. There's a two-loss team that gets in. They'll be like, oh. We we kind of got because now 
you can lose two and still make it. I mean, they're going to 12, what, two years? What, were we two years away from the expansion yeah, of the playoffs? Yeah, two years. Yeah. I mean, that's. And one year away from Texas joining it. So it's only going to be one year that they're going with this schedule for 2024. And then, boom, there you are again. Why? 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 And the SEC bias that Patrick mentioned, you're going to have that anyway. The the SEC's got, what, half the damn teams that are hosting regionals are from the SEC. The SEC's got to get the benefit of the doubt most of the time anyway. They want more of it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do billionaires want more money? Yes. <laughs> does Nick Saban? Does Nick Saban want to crush every team under his under his boot? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, that makes more sense. All right, we'll come back. We'll discuss more of that as well. We'll hear from CDC Chris Del Conte on Paul Feinbaum. Discuss Dylan Mitchell returning to the Forty Acres and Texas baseball versus Louisiana. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.